Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Okay, uh, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Robert and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Uh, welcome you all to this panel on Anatomy of a Surrender. I will be the moderator for this panel. Um, in the spirit of the, tw- of the fifth tradition, to carry the essay message, this uh, session will be recorded. Uh, the recorder will not be turned off during this, during this session if you do not wish to be recorded. You may participate by listening. Please do not tamper with the recording equipment. We will begin the meeting with a few minutes of silence, followed by the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Uh, Will someone please read the essay Purpose from page 201 of the White Book? <coughs> I have one. I'm Roger on Sex Love and Relations with Eric. Hey, Roger. Roger. See? The essay Purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. Sex Olives Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop lusting and become sexually sober. There are no dues or fees for SA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. SA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any club. Our primary purpose is to stay sexually sober and help others to achieve sexual sobriety. Thanks, Roger. Um, okay, uh, so our panelists for this session are uh, J.H. and uh, Anthony W. and Steve E. Uh, each will share for, uh, for, t- for seven to ten minutes on the topic, then we will open the meeting for sharing. Uh, so please join me in welcoming our panelists. Uh, okay, so, um, okay, so I guess who wants to, uh, who wants to start then? <laughs> Going to line? All right. And I'll give you, um, uh, I'll give you a two minute mark and then a 10. Okay. Hi guys. My name is Jay and I'm addicted to lust. Hey, Jay. Um, my sobriety date is July 11th, 2010 one day at a time by the grace of God and the fellowship of this program. I want to talk to you today about three kind of surrenders that I do and have done in my life. They're all 
related, but they're all somewhat distinct. The first one I would call a major surrender. Uh, my story is that I came into SA in 1994 after a year in recovery and did not work the program, did not get a sponsor, eventually left SA in about 2003 or 2004. Um, came When Internet porn came out, I crashed. And really, my first big surrender was in 2010. And so I call this the big S surrender, and that is... Um, my sponsor has two questions that he asked, and I think they're very relevant to what happened to me in 2010. And that is the first thing is the question he asks is, are you done? In other words, are you utterly convinced that there is no other way for you to go than to surrender to God and to this program? And for that, the question was unequivocally yes. And I went in and completely surrendered myself to the program. The other question he asks is, are you willing to go to any length to stay sober, which means there's no limit on the things that I'm willing to do. I have to be willing to do everything. There can't be something that says, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. I have to give myself over completely to the program. Um, I kind of got complacent earlier uh, in this year, and I think I had to make another real surrender uh, to say, you know, I'm really um, going to get back and do the serious things that I need to do. So that's the first thing, is the big S surrender. Then my second one is what I would call, and of course, uh, a lot of that involves working um, every aspect of the program, as I mentioned. The second one would I would call ongoing surrenders, and these are surrenders that have to do with specific situations that I am encountering, and these surrenders go on maybe for weeks and or months. Um, for instance, um, recently I got caught up in fantasy and was engaging in particular kinds of fantasies in my head. And I had to come into a group and to uh, become transparently honest and to make a surrender. And those kinds of surrenders um, could be a lust or a relationship or an expectation or a resentment. And so with these, I would seek other um, addicts, help in defining what those surrenders are and how I can support those surrenders with specific and measurable actions that I take on a, on a daily basis. So, for instance, uh, what I'm working on now is I realized there was a pattern that when my wife left the house, I would engage in these fantasies. And so um, the real awakening here for me was that I could be preemptive. I didn't have to wait for these lust thoughts to come that I could actually take the action as soon as she left the house. So the surrender is I uh, worked the 16 and 17 of the 18-wheeler. If you're familiar with that, it's the uh, inviting a higher power in, connecting, uh, saying, I don't want any part of this lust. I'm going to give you this lust. Thank you for taking it. And then uh, extreme measure would be casting it out. If you go back and read those in the white book, 16 and 17. Then I immediately follow that up with a surrender call to someone else telling the person what I have done. And so the mistake I was making before I was doing the surrender was I was waiting to get into the fantasy before I took the action. Now I do it regardless of how I'm feeling. It's the event that triggers it. So this could be anything that's uh, so an ongoing issue that needs to be a surrender. It could be, as I said, a relationship, etc. And then I report back to them on my progress and how I'm doing. And that continues as my surrender until um, I, I do another surrender. 
Then the third one uh, would be the daily surrenders. These are the small daily events in the heat of the moment. There is no uh, protection against those less temptations. You know, one of the parts of our literature says, do you have any power over the next temptation? Well, the next temptation is going to come whether I want it to come or not. That's just part of the way the world is and it's part of who I am. So I, I do those um to my higher power directly, sometimes out loud. I say there's power in saying the words out loud. Um, Lord, I ask you to bless this woman. I ask you to give her what she needs today. I ask that I would find in you what I'm looking for in her. Um, and I make that surrender. The, the, the woman jogger by the side of the road, the attractive woman who maybe walks into a meeting. And then, of course, the resentments as well. If I'm aware of any resentment that's coming in, I have to pray for that person, uh, surrender that resentment, ask God to bless them, give them everything they need today. And so those daily surrenders is, again, not letting them sit, not letting the resentment sit, not letting the lust sit, but as soon as I'm aware of it, practice that surrender and release it uh, to my higher power. So those are the ways I handle my ongoing surrenders. The big one are the ongoing ones and the uh, the daily surrenders, uh, and it seems to work. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve E. from North Carolina. Steve. Steve. Sobriety date is 8-8-2016. I am... I Forms of acting out have included sex with self, pornography, uh, same-sex acting out, prostitutes, fantasy, um, and I am powerless over lack of self-worth, uh, anger, resentment, and comparing myself to others. Um, <clears throat> I like to, you know, normally I check in that I'm powerless over lust and pornography, but for this uh, session, surrender. Um, I wanted to change it up because surrender for me. There's the first aspect of surrender coming into the program was, as Jay said, the big surrender of the powerless and unmanageability of my acting out, and that I am that that feeling of powerless that that is no longer a solution for me because. My lust, my acting out, those were solutions for me. And coming into the program, I had to surrender the fact that that solution no longer worked. Um, and the big book and the white book talk about this, that, that my lust and my acting out were a symptom um, of a larger issue, that issue being myself. And... That's where, in where I am in my program now, that is where my surrender is focused, is getting behind what my lust is saying, because my lust is a symptom. So I have to get to what is the cause of that symptom. Um, this week at work, there is, there is a woman at work who I purposely try to avoid, um, she is overly sharing, you know, she's one of those people who is dangerous for my program. Um, so I purposely stay away from her. Uh, however, this week, 
I noticed one day that I was drawn to try to go over and talk to her and engage in a conversation. Um, and as I found myself feeling this, I really had to step back and say, okay, wait a minute, what is going on? I know I have to avoid this person. Why am I drawn to go engage in a conversation with someone that I know is going to be dangerous for my program? And it's those daily inventories that give me an opportunity to figure out what's going on on a deeper level. And in this case, I had had a converse, uh, we had a conference call at work, and it was announced that another person was going to be joining our department. Well, this person I had had previous interactions with, none of which were pleasant from my perspective. Uh, I had a lot of anger and resentment towards this person, um, which was apparently unsurrendered in my fourth step. Uh, I didn't quite work through that enough. She did make my fourth step list. Um, but there were still feelings of anger and resentment there. And that was really where I needed to make a phone call and surrender that and talk through that with somebody. Sometimes I have to, I'm not, a, that one was pretty easy to identify. Um, the initial trigger of that anger and resentment that was driving my lusting behavior. Um, but a lot of times it's not that simple. And um, that's really where talking things out with my sponsor and just being able to say, look, I'm, I'm having lust come up. I'm drawn to go conver- have conversation. I'm drawn to my head is turning more often than I would like. And, you know, I, I don't really know what's behind it. And then, okay, well, what, what happened today? What happened yesterday? Um, traveling is always a big deal for me because most of my acting out behavior came through traveling for work. I would, you know, be in a hotel by myself and that was prime time for me. Um, so, you know, coming down here, I was hoping I was going to bring some fellows from North Carolina with me uh, to kind of, one, for, for my my benefit, selfishly, I wanted people to travel with me uh, so I wouldn't have to worry about being in a hotel by myself. But, you know, it's always one of those situations that's triggering. And it's the trigger is guilt and shame for my best behaviors. Um, and so surrender always comes back to what's driving my lust, what is driving those temptations. You know, the temptations are always going to be there. The people at work who, uh, you know, I want to turn, I want to engage with, they're always going to be there. The people on the side of the road, that never goes away. The temptation is always there. But if I work on surrendering the guilt, shame, lack of self-worth, my desire to compare myself to others, if I surrender those, then the obsession is removed. But it's it's a daily it's a daily inventory. My sponsor got me involved in step ten and eleven very early on in the program because <clears throat> one, I needed to stop adding the karmic rocks to what I was carrying around with me. I didn't needlessly need to add to my fourth step when I could deal with it in the day. Um, but I also needed to be start to become aware of those things that were driving my lust. Um, and that's where for me, step 11 
meditation has been extremely valuable. Um, I'm finally getting into the point in my meditation practice where I'm noticing those fantasy thoughts and how my mind, that initial thought comes in and I grab it. And then I'm, you know, 10 minutes have passed and I'm still on that train of thought with fantasy. And so the meditation practice helps me notice when I've gotten on the train and then I can step off and just let the train go by without following that, uh, that line of thinking. Uh, so that's what I got. Thanks. Thank Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Good morning. I'm Anthony W. My, uh, I'm a recovering sexaholic, and my um, sobriety date is 21 February 2012. In my sharing about surrender, I wanted to um, just give you a little background of how I got to the point of surrender. Um, my first uh, sexual experience was at the age of nine. And I was being babysat by a cousin, an older cousin of mine. And uh, before I could really realize what was going on, um, we were doing it. And I recall her uh, asking me um, several times, you know, does it feel good? And I was nine. I didn't know what, what I was doing. So I didn't know if it feel good or what. It just was strange. Um, I felt awkward, embarrassed, but she kept trying to tell me, does it feel good? And I couldn't answer. I didn't know what to say. And I, I will say that that experience changed everything for me. Um, at nine, I don't even think I even had a healthy idea of what sex was. That just became distorted um, big time. And it unfortunately, um, before I could have a healthy view of sex, my view was, was uh, distorted. And so that experience took me on a 38-year journey with um, chasing lust or hunting after it. And this lust hunt uh, led me to numerous affairs, massage parlors, <clears throat> escorts, street prostitutes. And I took um, absurd risks with my life, uh, chasing after lust. And even discovering uh, through this process that I, I enjoy lusting after and also more being lusted after. Uh, that was even um, something that fed my ego and kept me on this journey. Um, this hunt for lust caused uh, me to devalue my marriage. Uh, I believe during this time that my marriage often, my attitude was so into this lust thing that my marriage was getting in the way. I recall numerous times acting out. In the midst of acting out, I get a phone call from my wife. I'd be pissed. Why is she calling me now? She messed up my high. And never been thinking of that. This is my loved one. This is the one who wanted to be with me for the rest of my life, who's calling me to check on me. And I'm doing something that she would just be blown away if she found out. And there, it, it didn't stop me. I still wanted to, to continue despite knowing that I was hurting her. And I even realized that my life was even just going into avenues that were just lust driven. Um, I, I was in the military. Um, and not realizing that in this lifestyle military that uh, infidelity was very, very prone, very prone. Um, and I, I fed, I fed into my ego, I fed into my chasing lust. 
And um, I would have training trips, we called them. They called them TDY. And in the, in the military, I learned the acronym. TDY stood for Temporarily Divorced Y'all. <laughs> uh, okay. So that fed into my ego and chasing lust. So I, w- I found myself, when I had these trips that I could pick, I would pick locations where I knew that I could probably get away and do some things um, because I just didn't care. Because this, this addiction makes you so selfish. You, you, you don't think of your loved ones. You don't think of your, your, your pride, your career, all the things you value. It's just, I want to do it. I want to do it at any cost. And that, that was where I was at. Um, even even my, my children took a back seat to my lust. I, I would rearrange family outings just around my acting out. Um, and I just, just didn't care. Uh, my life became unmanageable, and I refused to admit it to myself. I hated the consequences associated with this lifestyle, even though I had them numerously, but I was living this double life. And all I wanted to continue to do was live this life at any cost. Um, I got caught numerous times with, with phone calls, text messages, and I would, I would beg my wife to forgive me, and she would. And I would think that's the last time. I'm like, I'm going to stop doing this. And then I would continue. Because that, living that double life became a normal for me. It's just what I became used to doing. And I didn't think of any, any other lifestyle. Even with every military move, every four to five years, I would say to myself, I'm going to start anew. I'm going to start a clean slate. I'm putting this behind me. I'm not going to do this again. And within a couple months, I'm, I'm going right back in that same pattern. It was, it was insanity. So it, it was, again... T- Doing the same thing and looking for different results, which is insanity. But I thought I could get better at living this double life. I thought if I just make some improvements, some adjustments, I can get away with it longer and I get caught. And boy, was I wrong. Finally, um, it caught up with me and my career suffered uh, a a career-ending consequence of my acting out. And I was uh, forced to retire sooner than I would like to have. And it was at that point... That's why I hit rock bottom and said, okay, it's it's time to surrender this and walk into my first SA meeting in Macon, Georgia. It's where I walked in there and I realized that I was among people who understood my life. Webster said, define surrender to give up completely. And it was at that point walking, I remember walking into that first meeting in Macon. I realized that this has got to be my journey. I have to give up this life. I'm about to make a major transition out of the military, and I don't want to continue living this way. So as a military guy, it's, surrender is not a word we use quite often. <laughs> so it, it, it's, we can do it. I, I can do this. And for me to have to surrender something that I thought I could handle was an ego pill I had to swallow. So I, I learned, you know, swallow the prize, not fatten. So I finally walked into that meeting and realized I'm amongst men and women who I could share my secret because I hadn't told anybody and and not be ridiculed. Uh, I wanted the madness to stop and I knew I couldn't do this alone. And being in a room with people who who appeared to be successful, that they could they could live this life and share their their, their um, ups and downs and realize that there is hope. And that, that gave me some, some hope that I could, I could change my life around, even though I've been doing it for so long. I, I wanted to give up this life before I lost everything. And so I knew that I could not do it halfway. I had to do it all the way for me, for me to be healthy. It was tough. It was a challenging working the steps. But I surrendered to the program 
and a new way of, of living my life without chasing lust. Also, uh, Webster says that surrendering also is agreeing to forego, especially in favor of another. So after 38 years of chasing lust, I decided to forego chasing it, chasing lust in favor of God, as I understood him. I'd always believed in God and attended church regularly, but I really never desired or solicited his help uh, in turning my life around. Um, I was going on a regular basis, regular basis and, and looking at a great appearance and even two of my affairs happened from church members. So I wasn't really, really committed to it. But I finally surrendered and um, to allow God to help me my journey because I couldn't do this by myself. To allow myself to surrender to a group because they, they showed me that they could do this successfully and I can maintain it over long haul. So I had to surrender this crazy life that I've been living and become accustomed to. That's all I knew. And for to be around people and know that I can live without lust and be okay. I don't have to live this double life. And normal's okay. I'm not gonna lie and say it was a withdrawal period. It was a rough time adjusting to not having always you know, having somebody on the side, having a side piece or or having, you know, all these extra arrangements I was doing. It took me a while to really adjust to just being committed to my wife. It's funny to say it now, but that was an adjustment. Just having one woman and just pushing all my love on one woman versus trying to divvy up amongst three or four at the same time. But I had to surrender that. This is, this is what I wanted. I wanted to live a life that was caused me to face my truth. And that was probably my biggest surrendering is facing my truth. This Looking in the mirror, this is who you are. You're a sex addict. And if you want to continue this crazy life, it's not going to end well. But if you if you choose to surrender and follow the steps, let God help you, you can live a life of sanity. You can live a life that supports your faith or incongruent with your faith. You can live a life that supports your values. You can live a life that is in line to what you want to live. I, I never thought that I would get to a point where I could tell my wife really the truth. Surrendering helped me do that. I never thought I could share my addiction or talk about my addiction with my son. Surrendering allowed me to do that. I never thought I would be able to share with my daughter that your dad is a sex addict. Never thought that happened. But surrendering, I was, I was able to do that. I never thought in my wildest dreams that my wife would come to me to meetings. She goes to s as I go to my meetings here. Never dreamed that'd be a reality. Ever. I thought, this is, this is a secret I'm going to take to my grave. But by surrendering, I was allowed to be able to have that and still share that. And she knows I'm here. When I left this morning, she said, have a great talk. I said, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Never thought that ever happened. But because I surrendered, I'm here today. So surrendering freed me from a life of chasing lust. And now I do it daily. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded of my daily surrender how my life is better, how I'm more free to live and be honest with myself and who I am and not have to hide and not have to worry about who's going to see me. What that is so behind me. And it's so much more refreshing to live an honest life. And I can look in the mirror and know that I'm okay with Anthony. I'm okay with Anthony. And today is a good day. Thanks for letting me share. Great. Thanks to all the speakers. Um, 
So we're going to open up the floor for sharing. Uh, because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing. During this meeting, we do not crosstalk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing any individual member. We speak in the I, not the we or you. We leave our other identities at the door, including politics, religion, therapies, treatment centers, occupations, and other 12-step issues. We speak about and from the essay point of view. Our meeting focuses on solutions to our essay approach to recovery. When possible, we avoid, men- to avoid the mention of titles of authors, uh, uh, t- of titles and authors that are not essay approved literature. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid profanity, sexual descriptions, and sexually abusive language. In sharing, if a speaker brings up a controversial topic that deviates from our guidelines, the moderator will interrupt the speaker and ask them to honor our request. Uh, uh, We can also remind each other of our commitment to these guidelines by quietly raising our hand. In sharing, we encourage you to focus on the topic of the meeting. This is not a check-in meeting. If you need to check in, please find a temporary sponsor, someone with a purple dot on their name tag after the meeting with whom you can share. We ask those who wish to share to please come up and sit uh, in the chairs next to the microphone in a queue. Uh, as, as one person moves to the sharing chair, the others just uh, move over, and another person takes the empty chair. <clears throat> so that as many members as possible have a chance to share, please limit your sharing to a, min- to a maximum of two minutes or less. A timer will uh, remind you when you have reached two, two minutes. Uh, please speak into the microphone or you know, the recorder so that uh, those who listen to the recording can follow the discussion. So the meeting is now open for sharing, and we'll use this chair over here. for. Uh, good morning. My name is Brad. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I, I got a lot out of each of the shares. Um, I could identify with more than I'd like to admit that I could. Um, one of the things that is triggering for me is also when my wife leaves, it's really the thought that there's going to be opportunity. And I start thinking about that. When is that opportunity going to come up? So the trigger actually happens before the opportunity arrives. It's it's that planning, that obsessing and that planning. And so um, so I realized that I need to find a way to surrender, get ahead of that before the planning part. And um, that that's tricky for me. Uh, but um, I, I, I can also relate to feeling angry and annoyed if my acting out is interrupted by my wife. Um, And that's just crazy. That should be an opportunity to snap me out, but it it angers me and drives me in further. So um, so I just wanted to say I really appreciated those shares. Thank you for letting me share. Hey, fellas, I'm Charles. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Charles. I don't have a local meeting. I get most of my steps by phone with a sponsor and use the telephone a lot. Dumb phone. Um, the topic of surrender really hits me hard. I have to been separated from my wife for three years. 
Well, 30 year marriage, been separated for three years, four grown children, um, because I could not manage my lust. It was unmanageable. And by staying sober, it's helped me to get to the point where I can surrender my marriage to God. I don't have to have it. I don't deserve the marriage, but I don't have to have it to survive. I would like to reconcile it. But that's God's business, is reconciliation. I also realize underneath the character, you know, underneath the lust that drives it for me, and it's happened, last week was a big example of rage that came up. I was dealing with my elderly dad and having, and having to father him now that he's older. Um, and I realize I can choose to surrender to act on that rage, either internalize it or externalize it. I can let it go. It's hard sometimes. I have to be honest and talk about what's going on with me um, to get through it and to let it go versus, you know, to take the out of it. Used to, lust would just, just like alcohol, would just take it away. Of course, always leading to the same repetition that never got me anywhere but where it got me. But anyway, um, I drove up from nearly Florida First time I've been with a large group of sexaholics face to face, and I just have to go through the fear and the intimidation of dealing with it and being honest. I have a background of uh, same sex lust and same sex outside of my behavior, outside of my marriage uh, behavior, which was very much related to what I heard in some of the shares regarding the repetition of the insanity of my childhood. But, you know, um, God's helping me get through what I couldn't do for myself. And it's amazing. Twelve steps do work. I'm thankful to be able to work. I appreciate you guys here today. Thanks, Thanks, Charles. Charles. Thanks, Charles. Hey, everybody. I'm Mark C., sexaholic. Really appreciate the panelists and uh, your shares. Yeah, I related a lot. And the descriptions of powerlessness really just resonated. Uh, yeah, surrender is such a good topic, <clears throat> and it's uh, you know it's just an ongoing part of my life, and you know some days it's a struggle, and it takes a lot of different forms. So first, I had to surrender the fact that I was powerless, of course, that my life was unmanageable, that I'd done a, a ton of harm. I didn't want to face that. That uh, even though I hadn't gotten caught for a long time, I was still causing a lot of harm. So I had to accept the reality of my life and uh, the negative effects and harm that I'd caused through my uh, addiction. Um, I also had to surrender my ideas about myself and where I fit in the world. Um, I had uh, a lot of pride, and I had two kinds of pride, both of them toxic, kind of two sides of the same coin. So um, I really felt so terrible about, about myself that I had to kind of create an alter ego <clears throat> where I was this extremely impressive person and I could spout off pretty quickly to anybody all of the impressive things going on in my life. It's a way to kind of, you know, make myself feel like I had some kind of worth. When I knew, you know, my double life, I knew that I had a real a lot of darkness, you know, going on. So I had to let go of that idea of being better than anybody else. <laughs> ridiculous and uh but i also had to get rid of the idea let go of the idea that i'm worse than everyone else also that i'm just a bad person 
because I grew up feeling that way my whole life, you know. So now what humility means to me is that I'm here. I'm, I'm really just part of the human race. I'm like everybody else. I got issues. I got some good qualities. I'm not God. I'm not Satan. I'm just a human being. <laughs> and, uh, and that's okay. And uh, I look around and I see my fellow human beings, and uh, that's pretty beautiful. And that's helped me to be much less judgmental about other people. When I'm less judgmental about myself, um, uh, I'm much, much less judgmental about other people. I don't have to try and artificially push myself up and look down on people. I don't have to look up at people saying, I'm so awful. I just uh, look at people with their issues and say, wow, and, you know, that's my wife's. Whenever, whenever one of my wife and I, whenever one of us starts complaining about another person, the other person always says, they sound like a really broken person, <laughs> <laughs> which of course reminds us that that's what we are, both of us. You know, we really recognize that. So, uh, last bit thing I'll say about surrender is I have to surrender my will constantly, you know, and I surrender my will to God. I, I'm always trying to seek God's will for me, but yeah, you know, it's always a tug of war and I'm realizing that I, you know, I always had a lot of grand ideas about what my life was supposed to be like so that, again, so I could have a sense of value. Uh, but now I find my life keeps getting a little simpler, <coughs> simpler, more down to earth. Um, and that's good. And the ideas that I have about what might make my life more exciting or more rewarding, um, I have to uh, kind of put those aside and say, what is the next right thing to do? Next right thing to do. And just had some of that going on recently with a kind of a career type of thing. And uh, when I found out that my wife really was not comfortable with something I was thinking about doing, and uh, and I realized I needed to surrender that, and it was okay. So thanks for letting me share. You're wonderful. Thanks, thanks. 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 Um, Tim, I'm a sex hot. My sobriety date is November 5th, 2012. Um, thanks guys for, uh, your shares. Um, surrender is such a, such a great topic. And, um, you know, I always, uh, know my higher power is working when I hear the same topic multiple times, uh, even in a week. Uh, cause I've been, I've been struggling and I like the, uh, the point made about the big S and, and the, the small s, I guess, is, is maybe the way to think about it because I've been struggling more with the small s. But, you know, my, my big s for me, my big surrender was not so much that I was a sexaholic because the, the jury was pretty clear on that one. <laughs> um, my, my biggest, my big s was kind of three years into recovery when I relapsed. And was a recognition that I am never not going to be a sexaholic. Um, because there was a part of me that kind of really wanted not to be a sexaholic. Like, I thought I could get cured of it. Um, I think I recognized that I was. But then I thought there was this solution out there that was going to just make it go away. Um, if, I, if I worked the steps and I did my penance and, you know, made my amends, then it was just going to all go away. Um, and that, uh, didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> and I'm now very clear through that process of relapse and then surrendering of that. I will always be a sexaholic. Um, and that, um, 
as I've, I think my higher power has made clear to me over probably the last few months is I'm either going to die from sexaholism or I'm going to die in these rooms. Um, and you know, I want to, I want to die in these rooms, um, which that by default means I have to surrender the fact that I've got to keep coming back. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I've gotten to that place. And I'm now thankful that I actually recognize that being a sexaholic, which I would have never thought I would say this, but being a sexaholic is a good thing for me because it does keep me coming back. It does keep me on my knees. It does keep me surrendering um, the fact that I've got um, a lot of character defects and, and those don't go away either. So, uh, appreciate the shares, um, appreciate the, you know, when I walk into, you know, especially a marathon or even the, the Saturday Buckhead meetings and, and see a large group of men and women dealing with the same things. It's encouraging. Um, I relate and, you know, the shares this morning, I related to every single one of them and knowing regardless of the acting out behavior, that feeling of disconnection or misconnection and seeking something um, that only my higher power can provide. So I appreciate appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Thanks. My name's Sean. I'm a sexaholic. I promised I wouldn't say anything today, but uh, something that was said earlier that I wanted to focus on. Um, I came to this particular breakout session because surrender has always been a problem for me. Um, in addition to being a sexaholic, I'm also a control freak. And one of the speakers talked about the underlying problem which causes lust. I always thought that uh, same-sex attraction, masturbation, those were my issues. If I could stop that, I'd be all right. But a little bit of sobriety showed me that those were not my real problems. My problem was surrender. I had surrendered that but I hadn't learned that I needed to surrender my inability to surrender all of it. You know what I'm saying? So by recognizing that being in control or needing to be in control was my trigger, I was able to let go of the things that were causing me to want to act out. And so um, I, I have to surrender every single day my unwillingness to surrender. And that is the harder part for me than just letting go of, you know, the uh, the physical acting out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank, Thank you. So much. Much. I'm Kevin. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic, powerless over lust in all of its forms. Um, I also wasn't planning to share, but the the last share really uh, triggered something in me, which was. Um, when I first came to the program, it was very easy for me to surrender my addiction. Um, and my acting out. What was hard was for me to surrender my life and my will. And what I mean by that is, um, I was kind of like, okay, God, yeah, you can take this addiction, but you know, I'm going to keep my job, my wife, my relationship with my wife, my children, everything else that I'll, I'll keep control of that. And that worked really, really well. Um, um, I, I was in, I've been in recovery since 2000, since July of 2000, and, uh, it's only been recently that I've been able to get, uh, the last five or six years that I've been able to get sobriety. 
And um, what I learned is that uh, surrender has to be total. I can't keep any part of my life to myself. If I do, it's just like uh, it's like a crack in the dam. It'll just keep widening and widening and widening, and pretty soon I'll have taken back control of my whole life, and that includes my addiction. So for me, um, the important thing for me is that surrender has to be total. It has to be in all areas of my life. I was just talking with one of my sponsees yesterday, and we were talking about this exact subject because, uh, and you know, we we both mentioned driving. You know, you think driving it's an innocuous thing. You do it all. You do it every day. You do it all day. And uh, what's the big deal? But I, I literally, I have to surrender my driving. I do. Um, because otherwise I will be, by the end of the drive, even if it's just a, a five-minute drive up the street, I will be in my character defects. And so I have to surrender my driving. So it's it's all areas of my life. And then the other part I would say is the second part of step three is will. Surrender your will. And the way that's been explained to me is that I have to accept the results. Um, I have to, um, you know, let get out of the results business is what my sponsor says. And so, you know, it doesn't do me any good to surrender my life and then sit there and go, well, that sucks. Oh, my gosh, that's not the way it should have happened. And why is this happening? Blah, 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 blah. I have to accept the results. And if I can do that. Um, then that's when the happiness comes. Um, you know, I think everybody knows the story in the back of the big book, which is, uh, you know, acceptance is the answer. And that's, that's really key for me as well as in surrender is not just surrendering, but accepting the results. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. I guess the moderator can, uh, can share too. Uh, Robert Sexaholic. Uh, my sobriety date is, uh, August 7th of 2010. And yeah, I appreciate, uh, the speakers and I appreciate all the, all the other shares too. It's, uh, it's really good for me to, uh, to think about this. I, I could really relate to, um, uh, a couple of the share, shares too, just talking about, um, um, just how I'm not cured of this disease. And, and, uh, and I think that was a hard thing for me. To, to sort of uh, realize that, you know, even, it, you know, that, that I will still get triggered at times. And I, I uh, just recently I got um, I got very triggered about two weeks ago uh, over um, over something that happened from my acting out past like 20 years ago. You know, and it just uh, it just kind of a, some circumstances that just brought these thoughts up. And and I had to call my, you know, had to, you know. Pray to surrender it and call my sponsor. And um, but you know the surrender process, you know, worked then just as it as it as it always has. But you know, I I think um, for me too, it's you know I, I don't look at it now so much as a you know as a um, curse or or you know uh, as a problem because it, I I really believe for me uh, you know that's how my higher power reminds me of who I am and keeps me humble. And I think for me, um, pride and ego are greater dangers uh, for my spiritual life than than this addiction is. And so, you know, I think that's how my higher power kind of brings me back and grounds me periodically. Um, but uh, but anyway, and uh, just wanted to share that. And uh, uh, that's it. Oh, and I, I was going to say too. I, the script doesn't say it, but if if the speakers want to share anything else in response, that's you know I think that's okay. So thanks. Okay. Thanks, Robert. 
Steve, still a sexaholic. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that in preparing for this uh, topic that you know I started looking at um, was just where in the literature surrender is used, um, and I always I tend to go to the big book first. It's my first source. Um, and interestingly enough, the word surrender is not in the first 164 pages of the big book. Um, however, a another phrase is letting go, let go. Uh, and most prominently featured in uh, how it works. We had to let go absolutely. The result was nil until we let go absolutely. Um, and until I am willing to turn everything over, surrender everything, um, the results, I like that getting out of the results business, you know, it's, it's pride, ego, the whole ball of wax. I don't get to be the director. That's, you know, that's in the pages too about being the director and that's control. Um, it all has to go. Thanks. Thanks. a quick one, Jay, sexaholic. Um, you know, one of the things about surrender for me is surrendering to service because the question I have to ask myself once I am grateful to be a sexaholic is what is my higher power's purpose in the lives of other people in my being a sexaholic? And so as I give myself to service, as I give myself to the program, take on sponsees, take on service, I begin to see the purpose, that there is a purpose in my remaining uh, vulnerable to this disease. And as I give myself over to that and surrender, then the, the richness comes, the richness of connection, because that's, you know, my disease is an isolating, secretive uh, disease. And when I come out into relationship with others and begin to serve others in the program, um, I think that for me is an additional Great beauty of surrender. Thanks. Thanks, Jay. I'm Dave, sexaholic. And I'm sharing because I don't want to. <laughs> uh, a big thing for me is fear. Um, as I'm, I'm kind of, I've been in the program now about uh, two years. And as I'm got through my fourth step and on to the fifth and sixth, I'm beginning to see that the, uh, the major cause of most of my problems, my acting out and everything else, is fear. I'm just afraid of everything. And because I'm afraid of things, you know, in social situations in particular, I kind of feel attacked. You know, there's, there's no real attack out there. It's all inside me. But I, I feel that way, so I behave that way. And um, one of the things I've discovered is that uh, surrendering fear is hard. Um, and I, I recently got myself, I'm retired now, and I got myself a, a part-time job as a bus driver at a uh, senior care facility. And um, it's the worst possible job for me, which means it's actually really good <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, I have to be social. I have to be kind to people. I have to take care of other people who can't take care of themselves. And uh, it, uh, it's um, it's was a terrifying job for me to start, and, uh, and after doing this for a little over a year now, I'm finding that it's, it's helped me a lot. Mm. And one of the um, parts of surrender, that, that uh, surrendering fear, 
that I've discovered is doing this is that um, surrendering fear is hard because you don't want to do it, and the key is doing it. Just get up there and do the thing that you know you're supposed to do. And gradually, it doesn't go away immediately, but gradually it goes away. And you start realizing that, uh, you know, there are good things that happen when you do this kind of stuff. So um, I'm sharing because I don't want to. <laughs> I'm sharing because I'm afraid of it. So thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. So I guess we'll go ahead and uh, start uh, start wrapping up here. So uh, that's all the time we have. Thank you for uh, participating, and please join me in thanking our panel. Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of essay are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about an essay to yourself. And what you say, what and what you uh, say here, let it stay here. Yeah. Uh, remember, we never identify ourselves publicly with essay in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for essay. So let's circle up, and after a moment of silent meditation, um, Paul, would you lead us in the front? Sure. Who keeps us sober? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back if it works, if you work it, but you're going to work it every day, and every night, because you work it. Thanks, guys.